Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Legal Toolkit podcast here on the Legal Talk Network. If you were looking for the dad from Elf, I have some horrible news to share. Uh, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. And if you're Wilson Phillips, I demand a reunion concert. I cannot hold on for one more day. Oh, wait, as I Google this, that's actually happening. There is a Wilson Phillips reunion concert series, so I retract my request. As always, I'm your show host, Jared Correa, and in addition to casting this pod, I am the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting services for law firms, bar associations, and legal vendors. Check us out at redcavelegal.com. I'm also the COO of Gideon Software, Inc., which offers chatbots, a first-to-market chatbot builder, and predictive analytics created specifically for law firms. Find out more at www.gideon.legal. You can listen to my other, other podcast because I don't have enough to do. That's called The Lobby List, a family travel show I host with my wife, Jessica, on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and comment. But here on The Legal Toolkit, we provide you twice each month now with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to talk about how legal organizations and legal tech vendors can work together more effectively or at all. But before I introduce today's guest, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. AnswerOne is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWERONE or online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answer1.com. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. We would like to thank our sponsor, Thomson Reuters Firm Central, cloud-based legal practice management that streamlines your day and automates non-billable administrative tasks so you can accomplish more with less. TimeSolve is the number one web-based time and billing software for lawyers. Providing solutions since 1999, TimeSolve provides the most comprehensive billing features for law firms big and small, www.timesolve.com, without the E, T-I-M-E-S-O-L-V.com. We've got two guests today, so let's roll this like Sir Frankie Crisp. My first guest is Robert Brink of Social Law Library in Boston. Robert is an attorney and has been the executive director of Social Law Library since 1998. Before that, he served as the executive director of the Flashner Judicial Institute, a not-for-profit judges organization dedicated to the professional development and continuing education of the Massachusetts judiciary. The institute became affiliated with the library in 1998, and Robert has continued on as its executive vice president. He is also a trustee and the executive director of the Supreme Judicial Court Historical Society, and the Supreme Judicial Court is the Supreme Court in Massachusetts. And not only that... Robert wears the hell out of a bow tie. Welcome to the big show, Robert. Thank you, Jared. Like most lawyers, the sweetest voice to my ears is my own. So thanks for the opportunity <laughs> to speak about social laws, partnership with Fred Cohen and Zola Sweet. Oh, perfect segue. Our other guest is Fred Cohen, who is the founder and CEO at Zola Media. 
In addition to his duties as CEO, Fred is the chief product architect of Zola Suite Case Management, where he is focused on developing state-of-the-art technology to enable law firms to massively scale their operations. He's been a leader, product visionary, and innovator in the legal technology space for over a decade. Fred has led Zola from its founding to becoming one of the fastest-growing businesses in the U.S. two years in a row, as recognized by Inc. Magazine. He's a former practicing attorney himself, as he was a partner at a New York Trust and Estates law firm. And might I say that Fred wears a leather jacket like a boss. Welcome to the big show, Fred. Excited to be here. Thank you, Jared. This is great. I love it when we have two guests. So let's get rolling. Robert, I'm going to start with you. So I'm going to say this, and I think I'm safe in saying it, even though I know a lot of law librarians, I think you're the coolest one. I know. I feel like you're like the Indiana Jones of law librarians. <laughs> so can you explain to me the Dewey Decimal System? No. And no, I'm not serious. Good, good, <laughs> because I wasn't serious. <laughs> I just don't understand it. Serious question. You have, I think Social Law Library is the oldest law library in the United States. Is that right? Well, we vie with uh, the Jenkins Library. They started as the uh, Law Society of Philadelphia about, and were started about six months before we were. We were established in 1803 and have been running, ever, running strong ever since. <laughs> My vote goes to you. So in your collection, which is massive and historical, what's your favorite book? Well, gee, uh, we have over <laughs> <Just pick> 500, <laughs> five, I'm going to answer this question, actually. We, you know, we have over 500,000 volumes going from as far back as Justinian's Institutes, uh, 1569. But I, oh, I do wow. want to tell you, because I think it's relevant to today, that my current favorite book is by MIT professor Max Tegmark mm. called Life.30, Being Human in the Age of Artificial Intelligence which for a guy who thinks bow ties are still fashionable and has to ask his daughter how to use an iPhone, uh, this book <laughs> provides a very clear explanation of what AI is and its future impact on society, including several chapters on the law. AI and other oh, technologies cool. are transforming legal practice. And I know that your uh, Gideon Legal has its own AI chat box features. Um, yes, I just want to yes. make one other kind of observation about this mm-hmm. is, is that, uh, you know, I've read that in 2018, there was a billion dollars invested in high legal tech startups with over 3.5 million devoted to new technologies. Um, oh, wow. m- most of the emerging legal technologies are focused on so-called big law market which creates yeah. issues for the 85 to 90% of other lawyers who are in solo and small firm practice. This is where mm-hmm. libraries come in, including our partnership mm-hmm. with Fred Cohen and Zola Suites Law Practice Management. So it's good to have books and it's good to read them. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. So that is a good segue into the next question I have for you. So like, generally speaking, and I'll ask you a little bit more about your partnership with Fred in the second half of the show. How does a modern law law library get tech forward? Because I don't think people generally and lawyers necessarily associate libraries with technology. Right. Well, you keep your fingers on the pulse. You read books like this. And if you're a membership organization, you provide services that the members need. 
So you mentioned our age. In 1803, when we were established, there were no there were no law books in the United States to speak of. We just had a revolution, and there was uh, we needed a new legal system. Lawyers <laughs> oh, yeah, there got, are other things going on. <laughs> yeah, lawyers got together. You know, lawyers got together. They formed a library, and they began to import English law books. The library was not an end in itself, but they needed law books, and they found a way to do it. So we have always here at Social Law Library tried to keep our finger on the pulse. And in terms of technology, you know, uh, in you know, 1993, after Westlaw and Lexis and all these publishers came out, and people, a lot of solos couldn't afford uh, databases, Social Law mm. started to become a legal publisher of databases. We now publish mm. 35 databases of primary Massachusetts law and administrative decisions. When the internet came out, we began to, uh, for our members, develop websites. And we're an ISP, an internet service provider, because people, yep. you know, this is sort of before Gmail and, and all of that. <laughs> so we were the first library to provide remote access to ebooks about four years ago. Hmm. And so what you do, like any good That's business, really cool. is you keep your finger on the pulse and you provide services that your members need. So what you're saying is you've been innovating for a long time. And I kind of knew that but for yeah. the benefit of our listeners. Let me turn to Fred now. So Fred, you're a legal tech entrepreneur. You've got at least a couple businesses that you run. How do you balance the provision of new legal tech and new legal technology features for lawyers against like the fact that attorneys are like the latest of late adopters, right? How do you reconcile hey, you know, I'm not so sure about that, but I think oh, universally... All right, you're going to dispute the notion. All right, hit me. Well, you know what? Again, we have a limited sample size, and, and maybe there's some self-selection going on in terms of you know who is mm-hmm. selecting our software, who is deciding, frankly, to even use practice management software in the first place. And yeah. certainly, if they're adopting ZoloSuite, by default, they must be very tech-savvy. So maybe we have Naturally. a very biased sample. Um, <laughs> but really, in terms of the big picture for us, the big thing that we're always focusing on is user experience, and that term is, mm. you know, kind of thrown around as just kind of like a buzzword without kind of truly appreciating what it is. And we view everything that the law firm does from the first second to that they sign up for the software to the email notifications they get, the interactions they have with our support team, elements of the user interface, what are they communicating to the user, um, the use of color, shading, tooltips. We, we really assume nothing. And really our goal is any layperson staring at the screen should be able to tell what information is being presented and you know, what options they have at their disposal to, to delve in and view more and do more. So mm. that that's, you know, goes to the heart of what we do. We spent a ton of time figuring that out. And you know, frankly, the more sophisticated users, even though they can usually kind of poke around and figure things out, uh, they appreciate what we do with user experience. That's really cool. I think that's a great approach to software. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and, and by the way, to me, user experience is everywhere. User experience is in cars. I sit inside a car and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm trying to adjust the temperature um, on the thermostat. And I'm like, who designed <laughs> this thing? Because it's, <laughs> if I have to stare down, I cannot view the road with my peripheral vision. And meanwhile, there are a lot of, you know, useless buttons and vents much higher up. <laughs> that could be within the field of my peripheral vision of the road. So, I mean, yeah. I, I obsess about user experience when I open up a door at, at a building and 
what is the shape of the handle, and that, that shape implies a pull versus a push. So it's something I'm personally very obsessed about, and, and I've kind of infected a lot of my team uh, with that same disease. So we're, we're, we're very much obsessed with you know, every signal that we send to the user on the screen. No, that makes a lot of sense. You make it as easy for lawyers to use your software as possible. That's really smart. We got pretty deep there. I wasn't expecting that. So let me ask you now in follow-up a more specific question. Like you've had a software product for a while now. What's the best use of technology you've seen a law firm make using your software? You know, it's really exciting. We, you know, being cloud-based means that essentially we get to constantly release enhancements without users having to install anything, without, uh, yeah. you know, complicated, uh, essentially, steps that uh, installed software limits the users with. So it's really fantastic to see when we release new features. And sometimes, you know, we'll get on a training call with a client and we'll see, oh, my God, like how far they've taken it. So <laughs> last year, Tech Show of 2018, we released CRM. And it's so exciting. We're seeing firms push in all their leads from their website directly to the CRM. They're curating it. They're using it to clear conflicts. Uh, they're using the electronic intake system. They're using the built-in e-signature to attach an engagement letter. So, so much of that, that pre-retention phase of, of the client lifecycle has now been really optimized. And it's been so great to see law firms adopt that. And you know, when I sometimes, I like to speak to a number of our clients from time to time and, you know, I hear their feedback and, and of course, they always have more that they want to do with it, which is, which is part yeah. of the reason why I get on those calls. But it's, it's really gratifying to see the tools that we've developed is helping law firms, you know, do more, be more efficient and be more scalable. And essentially, it's a manifestation of our vision, which is very much based yeah. on the e-myth principles. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, the entrepreneurial myth. Which was oh, somewhat. Yes, book. I am. But you can, but you, but you can relate. Yeah, uh, I'm a big E-Myth yeah. aficionado. Um, yeah. Frankly, the vision behind Zola Suite was inspired by E-Myth. And mm -hmm. E-Myth was in many ways inspired by what McDonald's did early on from, you know, creating a device to dispense five dots of ketchup perfectly centered on the burger. So <laughs> you, you leave out that variation and discretion from the employees and you create yeah. a more consistent user experience. There's that phrase again for the consumer more generally. So the other phrase I use is a yellow brick road with electrified fences on both sides so that <laughs> at a law firm, things are as systematic as they can be. And, and again, that, that's the only way a small law firm um, can, you know, has a chance to, to compete against the big boys who do have yeah. access to a lot of technology and a lot of IT um, and a lot of systems. And, Culturally, they have more ingrained kind of process than, than smaller firms. So mm. we think great software can, can help build that culture at a small organization. So that, that's another way that we view our I role. I think that's the director's cut of The Wizard of Oz with the electric fences, I think. Um, and I might also say that the McDonald's thing is really interesting. If folks have not seen uh, this movie called The Founder with Michael Keaton... Yeah. They get into like the processes McDonald's used at the asset, and it's really fascinating stuff. This has been great, Fred. I'm spent, however, so let's take a break. Here are some of the things you should buy. Do you feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high-value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and to grow their practices. 
As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and to generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they love drafting invoices for clients. At TimeSolve, our attorneys save on average over eight hours a month in billing work. That means more billable time and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at timesolve.com. That's www.timesolv, leave off the e.com. Remember, that's timesolv.com. Thanks for staying. I've got some hot chocolate cooling for you. And I'm here talking with Robert Brink of Social Law Library and Fred Cohen of Zola Media. We're here podcasting about how legal organizations and legal technology providers can work better together. All right, let's get back into it. Now, Robert, can you talk a little bit about the arrangement you've developed, you and Social Law Library, with Zola? Sure, sure, absolutely. First of all, I want to echo Fred's comment about the beauty of his uh, software, his law practice management software. It's very intuitive. People can use it. They can figure it out. They're not dumbfounded just by looking at it. So I'm, I yeah, think it's yeah. just a great product. Uh, Fred has an excellent product. I would agree. In terms of uh, the partnership that we had, basically, we offer uh, Zola Suites law practice management software as a member benefit for solo and small firm members, up to three paying social law member lawyers can participate in the program, plus one office administrator and one accountant. All And all of that is included in the price of annual dues to the social law library, no add-ons. So that, that in a sense, that's the, the basics. Uh, a free member benefit to up to three lawyers, plus one office administrator, and an accountant. And Zola Suite has a built-in accounting software, so it yep. doesn't have to get a, another third-party accounting software. Oh, that's cool. And that's a fairly unique partnership, as far as I know. Like, I don't know of many other organizations, especially law libraries, that are engaging in partnerships like that with technology vendors. Right. Well, this with law practice management is the first, and I know we, there's, we're going to talk about some of the reasons why later. Um, yeah. But it is perfectly in line with the social law library's mission, one, to serve our members, but two, as a library, because law practice management is becoming integral to law practice and major mm-hmm. legal publishers. Westlaw has something called Firm Central, uh, which is yeah. a law practice management built into Westlaw. So it makes perfect sense for a law library to pursue this kind of partnership for our members. Yeah. Now, Fred, do you have anything to add on the on the score of the partnership? I would just say, I mean, Robert said it all in terms of what the what the partnership entails and the benefits that it offers. But really, Robert and his team um, have been visionaries in terms of bringing tech, you know, making it accessible to um, solos and small firms, and and frankly, firms of all sizes. But it is very much in line with what they're doing um, at the law library, but also with what they've done in the past uh, vis-a-vis legal research. I think they helped put one of the big legal research companies on the map. Um, I know Robert's a little too modest to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. 
Just wait. But yeah, no, it, it's really great to work with Robert and, and his team. And they really do get technology. They really do appreciate what it can do to help law firms you know, become more profitable, more organized, yes. more scalable. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Robert, you can tell that story if you want. But also, like, when you're trying to make the decision about who you're going to enter into relationships with as far as, like, technology providers are concerned, how do you determine that that's a benefit for your organization? Well, we hear from members, you know, we, we talk to members, we know what they need, we read the literature, we know what, uh, what are the new technologies that are recommended for practitioners. But I think that the key here is to find the right product and uh, equally important, maybe more important, are the right people to partner with. Um, mm. uh, people willing to think out of the box and try new things that haven't been done before. I'm not too modest to talk about our <laughs> partnership uh, with, with Fastcase, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Social Law Library was the first major customer of Fastcase when Phil Rosenthal and Ed Walters first brought it to market. The, mm -hmm. No other legal publishers were willing to license their legal research databases to libraries for remote desktop access. It all had to be in use only. In the early, the late 80s or 90s, we uh, started to provide uh, and produce, publish our own databases of Massachusetts primary law and administrative law so that we could make legal research affordable to our solo small firm members and our government members. But, yep. but we couldn't offer remote access to federal law or from other states. So Phil mm -hmm. and Ed took a chance on social law, and I took a chance with Fastcase, which had developed a yeah. massive, comprehensive database of yeah, all 50 states and federal job. laws. It's just a remarkable mm -hmm. thing. I think that Social Law Library's uh, national prominence as a membership organization with, at the time, 12,000 members provided mm -hmm. Fastcase market acceptance. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's yes. any question. No, absolutely. Today, Fastcase has 35 bar associations uh, as, mm -hmm. uh, that offer it as a member benefit. And uh, they just got California. They got all the big ones. And before long, they'll probably have all 50. So Social yeah. Law Library was a model that broke th the mold. And I personally think that Fred and Zola Suite uh, in the same way. I think of them exactly the same way. There mm -hmm. are a number of vendors offering law practice management software. <laughs> For sure, yes. But they sell it retail to lawyers and firms. Some may have promotional or introductory discounts, you know, 10% off for members of such and such and so and so bar association, but none have been willing to fashion a workable deal whereby the member organization can offer it as a member benefit built into the dues. Mm. I think this is hopefully, I'm hoping that this is a new paradigm, especially mm. for the states with mandatory bar associations that are essentially arms of the state Supreme Courts. Mm -hmm. Think about it. As I mentioned before, Supreme Courts in 35 states have new rules of professional conduct imposing on lawyers a duty mm -hmm. to become yes. competent in legal technology. And law practice management software is now the baseline that all lawyers should use. The mandatory state bars in those states, and I think there are 32 or 33 states with mandatory state bars that are arms of the court, hopefully will find a way to provide law practice management software to their members, perhaps as part of the bar registration fees, in the same way that they now provide FASTCASE and legal research databases, mm -hmm. which was new and novel 15 years ago. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Massachusetts is not a mandatory bar state, but the mm-hmm. Supreme Judicial Court set up a program called LOMAP. I know you're familiar mm-hmm. with that. Law yes, Office somewhat. Management <laughs> Assistant Program um, yeah. to help lawyers adopt sound management practices. And it also now requires all new lawyers to take a mandatory program called Practicing with Professionalism. LOMAP, which helps teach this program, writes, and I quote, law practice management is essential to operating any type of practice. And they're referring to systems like this. Yeah. Yes. So just as they've done with legal research databases, I think unified bars have to find a way to make law practice management software available and affordable to members of the bar, solos and small firms especially. And I hope that our partnership with Fred and Zola Suite can demonstrate how that can be done. And and I do look at the model with Fastcase as proof that, that people like Fred and Phil Rosenthal and Ed Walters, who were willing to break the mold and deal with membership organizations like us, I think, I think they're going to lead the way. No, that's a great discussion. I hope Ed sends you like a nice bottle of wine every year, at least. Right? <laughs> we're we're very good friends, all of us. And, uh, <laughs> no. Excellent. Uh, all right, Fred. Let's turn to you and let's flip this conversation a little bit. So, when you're making these types of decisions, how do you consider which legal organizations you want to work with? Because that's kind of a different thing than like finding clients for your website business sure. or finding clients directly for case management software. Yeah, and, and frankly, we do have a lot of interest from a wide range of legal organizations, from organizations like LOMAP uh, mm-hmm. to social law to state bars, county-level bars, city-level bars. That's great. Um, for-profit kind of legal organizations. So one of the things that we look for is, number one, alignment of values. I was, I believe, the only person in my graduating law school class that put up his own shingle and went into practice for himself. And mm-hmm. so I kind of have a soft spot for anything that'll help, you know, somebody that is, you know, relatively new out of law school or just relatively new on their own. And, yeah. you know, every penny counts and uh, whatever way that we can help them succeed um, is, is something that I believe very strongly in. And definitely with respect to social law, there, there was that alignment of values. And then the other thing is an enthusiastic interlocutor at the, at the organization. Sometimes, you know, the persons that are in charge of member benefit programs aren't necessarily, you know, bought in to the underlying partnership, and they just it's, it's kind of a job for them. Yeah. But, you know, in, in the case with uh, Robert and, and Social Law and, and their team, everybody was enthusiastic. They were bought in, and it was just you feel the energy, and it truly felt like a partnership. And you really need that to see it through because there's, there are a lot of steps to kind of go through. There's legal, there's implementation. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you're missing that element of it, there's a strong chance that, it, that it's not going to succeed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is a great discussion that we're engaging in right now. And I'm very happy to have Robert Brink of Social Law Library and Fred Cohen of Zola Media on the show today. Let's pause momentarily. I'm going to catch my breath. We're going to do part three of the show. While I look for my vest, uh, sweater vest. I'm not going to think see my vest from The Simpsons, but I really want to. Um, Listen to some more words from our sponsors. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. 
They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call yourself at 800 Answer One or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Firm Central cloud based legal practice management software for solo and small firms provides a single online location for all of the tools you need to manage client files and perform client work and offers unrivaled integration with Westlaw. With Firm Central, you can securely store and organize documents and case files, manage time tracking and billables, and collaborate with clients through a secure client portal from anywhere there is an internet connection. Thanks again for coming back. I hope you enjoyed your salt and caramel fondue. I know I did. Now let's get back to our conversation with Robert Brink of Social Law Library and Fred Cohen of Zola Media. We're talking about how legal organizations and legal technology vendors can work better together. And this is part three of the show. So Fred, let's continue on with you. What would you identify as best practices for legal technology vendors who are looking to work with legal organizations? Yeah, again, I go back to, to that interlocutor that you're going to be working with. Um, you know, for us, we've been lucky because we had a lot of LPMs uh, that had seen our product um, and they, they had reached so out law, law to So law practice us management consultants you're talking about? Yes. Just, Thank yeah, you. Okay. Just to clarify. No, um, no problem. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and, and they're excited about what we're doing and you know, they initiated the, the conversation and it was, it was very easy to implement. And again, it, it's kind of like the core element that you need in, in order to make sure that it's viable in the long term. Um, mm. uh, but, you know, the, the other thing I would say is sometimes maybe the contact isn't necessarily the formal, you know, individual that is managing member benefits. He or she yeah. might frankly have slightly different interests. And there are a wide range of member benefits that can be provided to a legal organization. Um, yeah. And they just might have their own kind of separate passions. But you might you just have to find your own champion within mm. within that organization and that person may or may not be the formal individual that that handles those kinds of relationships. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. And so Robert, let's turn back to you for a moment here. You've talked a little bit about this previously, but I think this will probably give you a chance to like clarify this point. So in terms of like best practices for you when you seek out legal technology vendors to partner with, what do you try to do? Well, I'm sort of being repetitive here. I just I try to figure out just marketing 101, you know, what our members need, what are their pain points, um, and how we can help them. Uh, and if the answer is technology, we pursue the technology, and we do it in a way that I mentioned before. We try to find people that we can work with that, as Fred said, we share the same values. We're all about solo and small firm practitioners. We do have the largest law firms in the country as members. We have state government, but, but we want everyone to be on equal footing, and we want solo practitioners, so we share, share the values. So, you know, I look at our, the segments of our membership and what are their particular needs. So uh, large firms don't need from us law practice management systems. They, they, they have it all, but they need other things. And we developed, for instance, uh, uh, two years ago, three years ago, something called point-to-point managed services. We outsource library services to law firms now because outsourcing is huge. You might as well outsource uh, library services from us 
because they're already members and you'll get to know all of the services that the social law library involves rather than hiring um, some other outsourcing service that's not connected to a library. So I look at the various segments of our membership. Um, You know, we do focus groups, user surveys, and try to determine what their pain points are, not what I think Mm. is best for them, but what they can really use and what they really want. And, um, you know, it's basically marketing 101. So we we have initiatives for pretty much every segment of our uh, membership. and again, I think it's, it's, I don't know a lot about technology, you know, I mean, it was real, I wasn't kidding when I said that I asked my daughter <laughs> about certain aspects of my iPhone, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not great with technology, but, you know, learn to listen, listen to learn. I listen to people, I read, we have good, close relationships with our members. And when it becomes clear that they need something, we're going to do our best to provide those services as member benefits. I don't feel bad. I have a flip phone, which I think yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> so let's let's stay with you for a second, uh, Robert. So just to underscore a prior point for you, like how important is it for traditional legal organizations like law libraries, bar associations to continue to seek out new and different member benefits rather than resting on their laurels? Well, it's survival. We won't survive as an institution if, if, you know, we don't stay current with progress and technology and digitization. You know, I mean, we we offered we were the first library in the country to offer remote access to to e-books. And we have a lot of people now in state government and elsewhere that use the e-books. And basically that expands uh, the geographic reach of our usage. So if you have to borrow a book and you live, you know, in Worcester, you know, 60 miles away, well, it's going to be kind of hard. But if you can get online and get the ebook, boom, there you are. So all what we really have to do is I don't have to invent anything. We have to see the changes in the world and the adaptive technology to meet the demands of the world and then to see whether there are partners that will help us provide those benefits to our members at a price that we can afford and in a fashion that we can offer it as seamlessly as possible. Cool. Um, All right. So Fred, I learned something interesting about you today when I was reading your bio on your website, probably for the first time. You're into anthropology. So can I ask you historically, like, what is your favorite culture? Egyptians, Greeks, other uh, I know that's I know that's a tough yeah, question to decide. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm going to go a little bit further back um, okay. into prehistory if if I could. Oh, oh, nice. And yes. Talk about Neanderthals. <laughs> oh, wow. all right. Yeah, a- hit a- me. A- this is really yeah. interesting. Yeah, aka cavemen, uh, which yes. <laughs> have a little bit of a bad rap due to a certain insurance company. <laughs> but in fact, they were really intelligent. They had uh, very large sized brains, and more importantly the ratio of their brain mass to their body mass was roughly equivalent to that of Homo sapiens, um, mm. a.k.a. us. So um, <laughs> they, they were remarkably intelligent, and, and we can tell, for example, they were emotional. They, they buried their dead with ceremony and mementos, and I feel like sometimes they, they don't get their due. That's cool. I bet they would have appreciated like a good UI on a software product. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we we've covered a lot of ground today. A we're lot more than usual. 
<laughs> we've covered a lot of ground today, might I say. Unfortunately, however, we've reached the end of yet another episode of the Legal Toolkit podcast. This was a podcast about legal technology vendors and legal organizations working together, and we featured Robert Brink of Social Law Library and Fred Cohen of Zola Media, who have a very unique partnership. Now, I'll be back on future shows with further insights into my soul, the soul of America, and the legal market. If you're feeling nostalgic, however, for my dulcet tones, you can check out our entire show archive anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thanks again to Robert Brink of Social Law Library and Fred Cohen of Zola Media for making appearances as my guest today. All right, Robert, can you tell everybody how they can find out more about you and about Social Law Library? Google Social Law Library, and we use pretty much everything's on the website. That's easy. Thanks, Robert. Yeah. Uh, now, Fred, your turn. Can you tell everybody how they can find out more information about you and about Zola? Google.com. <laughs> you guys are making this too easy for me. <laughs> um, they can visit our site, Zola.com, Zola Creative. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, so we'd love to hear from you. Reach out. Yeah, both these guys do excellent work, and it has been my distinct pleasure to have them on the show today. Again, that was Fred Cohen of Zola Media and Robert Brink of Social Law Library. Thanks to all of you out there for listening. This has been the Legal Toolkit Podcast, where we ain't got time for that. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join host Jared Correa for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. for a podcast that was created for new solos? Then join me, Adriana Linares, each month on the new solo podcast. We talk to lawyers who have built their own successful practices and share their insights to help you grow yours. You can find new solo on the Legal Talk Network or anywhere you get your podcasts.